Most of us are used to shopping in stores where one section is devoted to fresh produce, but the rest of the food for sale is either boxed, canned, or shrink-wrapped. Today's guest is an urban farmer and food advocate teaching the world about the benefits of growing our own food and eating fresh fruits and vegetables, whether grown on a community farm or in our own backyards. She's Jamila Norman, this week on Story in the Public Square. Welcome to Story in the Public Square, where storytelling meets public affairs. I'm Jim Lutis from the Pell Center at Salve Regina University. And I'm G. Wayne Miller, also at Salve's Pell Center. This week, we're joined by Jamila Norman, an urban farmer, food activist, and host of Homegrown on the Magnolia Network. She joins us today from Atlanta. Jamila, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, we were chatting before we started, and we are, we are just huge fans of your work. Uh, and we want to talk about homegrown, but I want to start talking about urban farming. Uh, for an audience that may or may not be familiar with it, what is urban farming? Yeah, urban farming is just growing within, you know, a city landscape. So whether it's um, uh, right here, I'm in the city of Atlanta or even in um, the, the suburbs, it's just, it's not rural, it's right in the city where you're growing is how how widespread is this i'm thinking about you know there's a phenomena with uh, food deserts uh, that is a problem in a lot of places across uh, the united states uh, how common is urban urban farming um i think it's pretty common i mean you'll find people growing food on small lots on rooftops in a lot of metro cities um new york california in la um uh, you know, Chicago, Detroit. So it's definitely something that uh, people have taken on themselves um, and just really are trying to solve some of their own issues around food and food access in, in their own communities. So you mentioned many other cities besides Atlanta. So clearly you do not need, you know, the warmer climate of an Atlanta to be an urban farmer. Do I have that correct? I mean, you could do this in Buffalo, yeah. for example, or you could do this in parts of Minnesota. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, people um, farm all over the country. I mean, the what differentiates um, farming in Atlanta, whether it's urban or rural, from say a northern or a midwestern city, is just how long your season is. So Atlanta, we pretty much are able to farm year-round. Um, when you go up to Vermont, some of the colder areas, you might only have six months where you can really farm. Um, when, you know, when the weather's good. So it just depends on your region and, and how much time you have to actually grow something. But it can happen all over the nation. Yeah, Jim and I were talking before we began taping about Victory Gardens, which, were, which began after World War II, hence the name mm -hmm. Victory Gardens, Gardens. And they were urban farms, essentially. So the, mm -hmm. the current movement, does it trace its roots to Victory Gardens or does it go back even, even further than that? Yeah, 
I mean, I think definitely Victory Gardens um, helped to sort of inspire the movement. The difference between, I say, a Victory Garden, which generally is for an individual home or for a family, um, and an urban farm is we're operating as independent businesses. We're serving the market. We're selling produce. We're going to, you know, so we're operating as a business. Um, so it's kind of like taking that Victory Garden idea and then, you know, um, pushing it into a business enterprise where we're serving more than just our families, but like the the larger community. So Jamila, how did you get into farming in general and urban farming in particular? Um, well, you know, my family is from the Caribbeans and I've always been interested in sort of nature, the outdoors. I always had a vision of I'm going to have my own homestead one day and live off the land. Um, but, you know, we, 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 we found ourselves in Atlanta and um, I sort of found my way there. I was an engineer for 10 years with the state and environmental engineering, working on water, wastewater stuff. And the community that I moved to in Atlanta, Southwest Atlanta, just really had some food access issues. I mean, there's a lot of fast food, there's a lot of corner stores, but there just wasn't a lot of good food. So I started really with a group of people in the neighborhood and we were like, okay, we're going to just grow some food for our families. And then it's kind of like, I got the bug, you know, I caught the urban farming bug and it just transformed into, you know, my own independent business enterprise. So you began Patchwork City Farms and that's the, the farm that you have now. Tell us about the history of that and what you do today. A fascinating yeah, story. So, <laughs> I think, yeah, Patrick City Farm started in 2010. I was working full-time as an engineer. I was raising my three boys that were, you know, in the public school system. And I started with a, a friend of mine in the neighborhood. And we, the idea was that we didn't, we thought we were just going to have smaller lots. And so we were going to be, operating on multiple lots in the city, transforming those vegan lots into farms, right? Um, so that was the idea of patchwork. Uh, fast forward till now, I actually have um, an acre and a half that I purchased five minutes from my house right in the city of Atlanta, and I operate the farm there, and we are growing year-round, literally 80 different types of fruits and veggies, herbs, um, I sell a local farmer's market. We sell to chefs. We do food donations to a, um, in partnership with a local nonprofit. And then we also sell online and people come on to the farm and uh, pick up produce. So it's just really grown. Have one additional patch that's around the corner. So it's still a patchwork, um, but it's, it's, a, it's an additional half acre. So altogether, it's like two acres that I'm farming on. So, pardon the pun, give us a flavor of what you grow there. You grow vegetables, you grow flowers. Yeah. Give us some, some of the selections. If we were to come down and visit, we would see what? And we would want, I mean, we'd like want to right buy it now, all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right now, you know, it's springtime, so we have like all the leafy greens, spinach, and multiple types of lettuce, and um, kale, and collards. And then throughout the year, we'll do tomatoes, and cucumbers, and eggplants, carrots, beets, strawberries. I've got fruit trees that are not quite mature yet, but we'll have a lot of fruit coming in. Um, we harvested persimmons. Um, I do a lot of culinary herbs. Uh, we do cut flowers, sunflowers, and zinnias. 
And now I'm branching off into a little bit of dye crops, like I'm growing some indigo and marigolds and things like that for, you know, natural dyes. So it changes every year and I'm always excited about growing something new and adding something new to the, uh, to the mix. How, how big is the workforce? How many people do you have working there? Obviously you're mm -hmm. working there, but who else? How many others? Yeah, yeah, usually when we're fully operational, so you, um, we'll maintain two people, myself and a and, uh, um, farm coordinator, and then um, during height of the season, kind of like right now, I'll hire on another um, person and a half. So we'll have like, you know, between three, um, three to four people working throughout the season on the farm. Okay, so I have to ask, do your boys work there too, or are they into farming, or what are they into? You know, they used to. I mean, when I started this farm, they were five, seven, and nine, and now they're 23, 21, and 19. So they're like finishing up college. You know, they're kind of doing their own thing right now. Um, but I have one son, my middle son. He's into, uh, he's going to culinary school. He's always been into food and he loves food. So, so uh, but they helped me a lot on the farm when we, when, when they were younger. Jamila, I, I know that you're, you're also a food advocate, and some of the stuff that I've seen you talk about in other forums is uh, about sort of encouraging people to eat uh, fresh food. Uh, I, think it, I think you call it uh, living food. Um, mm -hmm. uh, why is that important, and how does that tie into the, to the farming that you do? Yeah, um, you know, I have a background in environmental engineering, so I was, you know, I got a chance to see sort of firsthand, you know, how the environment affects communities and specifically kind of like poor communities, more marginalized communities, black communities. Um, and then living in a sort of historically black part of town here in Atlanta, I also saw like, you know, that there's just like not a lot of healthy food options. So, um, and then realizing that a lot of the uh, diseases and just health issues that people are dealing with are really diet-related diet diseases. So, you know, we're talking about heart disease, which is the number one killer that's really diet and exercise. You know, we're talking about, um, you know, uh, diabetes, things like that. And so I just wanted to be part of the solution and really we're encouraging people to try to reduce the amount of processed food and really incorporate a lot more fresh fruits and vegetables. And then the fresher things are, the faster, you know, the closer it is to the source, the more nutrient dense it is. So when we're selling to customers, you know, usually it's maybe picked, you know, within a day or like, you know, no more than um, a couple of days. So they're getting like the best, the freshest, and, you know, people, you know, people get really excited about it and they come back and they tell stories about, you know, what we did and, 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 and how they can just tell that the food is different. You know, I, when I was growing up, uh, really young, we had uh, we lived in upstate New York, and we had a big hunk of land that had a huge garden. At least to the you know the memory of me as a seven-year-old, that was a huge garden. Uh, and later we moved uh, to Connecticut, and my dad still would put a patch of of, of uh, garden in the backyard, and uh, we would grow vegetables and tomatoes and and and, and things that we would that we would actually eat. As an adult, I haven't done any of that. And I don't know that I would know how to start uh, if I wanted to. So for people like me who maybe wish that they were had a little bit more of a green mm -hmm. thumb, how do we even start farming or, or, or gardening in this case? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't have any formal training, you know, like my great grandparents on both my family side were the last people to garden. And, you know, by the time I kind of got to know them, they were in their hundreds. So it surely wasn't showing me the ropes, you know. <laughs> um, but I just, you know, I just devoured information, read a lot, researched a lot. Um, I think, you know, there's so much, so many resources out there where, like, I mean, you literally can go to YouTube University and <laughs> learn everything, <laughs> you know? Um, and so that's kind of how I got into it. Like, I just was like, you know, I want to learn and I want to know and um, just just kind of jumped in. And, and you have to, like, start, right? You just, you know, start with one plant, nurture that, and then usually people get the bug and then they'll... You know, if they have space, they'll do a raised bed and, you know, try to plant some stuff. And I'm still learning, even though I've been doing this, you know, almost 14 years. I'm still learning, still pivoting, still adjusting, still reaching out to other farmers like, oh, what are you doing with this? You know, so um, definitely having a community and reaching out to other people that are growing helps um, and supports you in whatever it is that you're trying to do. We need to take a quick moment for station identification. This is Story in the Public Square, where storytelling meets public affairs. An audio version of this show can be heard multiple times every weekend on Sirius XM Satellite Radio's popular Politics of the United States. That's the POTUS channel, number 124. We produce Story in the Public Square with a great crew at Rhode Island PBS, and we're lucky to work with them. I'm Jim Lutis. On most days, you can find me running the Pell Center at Salve Regina University in beautiful Newport, Rhode Island. If you want to connect with me on Twitter, you can do so at J.M. Lutus. Joining me as he does every week in the co-host chair is my friend G. Wayne Miller, who is an award-winning journalist and the author of 20 books. You can find Wayne on Twitter, too, at G. Wayne Miller. And our guest this week is Jamila Norman, an internationally acclaimed urban farmer and food activist She's the founder of Patchwork City Farms in Atlanta, Georgia, and host of Homegrown on the Magnolia Network. So Jim's memory brings back a memory of my father, who was the son of a farmer. And my father was an airplane mechanic, but he had a, far he had a little garden, and we grew vegetables mm -hmm. there. We used to take the wastewater from, from, uh, from a washing machine to water it. And my first job, I guess, was I would load vegetables and bring them around the neighborhood in a wagon and sell them to people. Anyway, I, I just, I had to mention that because you mentioned everyone has a farmer story. <laughs> the question I wanted to ask though is, you have obviously inspired a lot of people to garden and, and to have their own urban farms. Do you have any sense of how many people or where? I'm guessing obviously others in Atlanta, but what has your impact been in that regard, in, in spreading the, the word as it were? Yeah, I mean, I will say definitely, you know, have the show homegrown and that's the premise of the show is like really helping people to garden for themselves. And previous to that, like we, you know, within the Atlanta area, within the Southeast, we used to get a lot of people that would reach out, hey, I see what you're doing. And I, 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 how can, you know, like, I want to do what you're doing. I, um, you know, people were inspired. And now that we have, like, I have this national platform, um, we're getting people from, like, literally all over the country uh, to quantify it. I mean, I have no idea, you know. <laughs> um, but literally people calling in from all over the country, sending messages. They're inspired. They're excited. They want to learn. Of course, everyone wants me to come to their own backyard. <laughs> 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 I'm like, I 
I'm like, you know, maybe we'll take the show on the road. I don't know. But right now we're in Atlanta. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's just, it's definitely been inspiring. And I think, you know, I'm just, you know, like you said, you know, you have your story of being connected to farming in some way. And both of you guys have had your story. And it's like part of the journey is actually uncovering for people that they have a connection, right? It might have been, you know, severed a generation or two. But like if you guys kind of sort of really look back, you know, oh, my grandmother, she kept a, you know, a kitchen garden or we always had something in the back or we'd run outside and, you know, grab some herbs. So those are the kind of the stories that I'm 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 hearing from people as we sort of, you know, uh vision and and think about, you know, farming and gardening and how they can get into it. Well, if you're taking those kinds of requests, I can think of one place in the great Northeast that would be thrilled to, to have your help. Um, that would be my house. Uh, the, uh, my my house first, though. So, Jamila, I, you know. Uh, I'll just get a bidding war going. <laughs> Actually, my wife is a really good gardener and, and, and you know, suburban farmer, so. But you you could definitely come and visit and give us some tips. So Jamelia, yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned homegrown uh, on the Magnolia Network. Uh, your uh, season three debuted on April first. Um, mm -hmm. How did the show come to be in the first place? Uh, I got an email. <laughs> <laughs> That's how everything begins these days, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely is interesting and it's definitely a journey I never saw myself taking. You know, I, I didn't have visions of like being on TV. And so this local production company reached out and they're like, we have this idea for this show and there's this network getting ready to launch. Um, and for me, why I was interested in the show was that it was important for the company and Magnolia Network specifically that whatever it is that we shot was really was authentic was information that people can really you know take and implement wherever they are and have success and so i saw it for myself as an opportunity to spread information and 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 sort of answer the requests of a lot of people that were reaching out to me to be like oh can you help me do what you're doing and i'm like well i can't be everywhere at once oh but here's a platform where i can share um a lot of information at once and so the feedback we've been getting is like oh my god i was following that i followed that tip you shared on the show and it's really working and helping so i feel really good that that was a vision for it and that it actually is like manifested but yeah it was an email it was a cold call and on in february and i just was like yeah, I'm going to check it out, you know, and the rest is history, as they say. That's tremendous. So, Jamila, we're, we're taping this at the end of March, and season three of Homegrown uh, will debut on April 1st. So we haven't had a chance to see it. Obviously, you've taped it. Give us, give us an overview of what season three will be about, and, and just, you know, as best you can, or as you can summarize. How many episodes, first of all, and, and what's the general ten, tenor of the yeah season yeah so season three we um we did uh eight episodes um we ventured a little bit further outside of the city so some of the spaces that we're transforming have become bigger we have some interesting spaces that are not just homes but also businesses so we did a brewery where we showed someone how to grow hops and harvest the hops so that they were cooperating their brewery we're adding more 
animals um, to the mix. So we've got people that have, um, I think we, you know, season one, we had chickens, but we added cows to some families. We added goats. Like we just kind of like really um, stretched and, and, and try to bring in more of what people are expecting, um, you know, around farms. And it's not just vegetables. It's just not a raised bed in a backyard. So, uh, yeah, it was it it, it it got really fun yeah. um, what, and just kind of going further outside of sort of city of Atlanta and really going uh, into metro Atlanta. What one of the one of the questions that I always ponder when I watch a show like Homegrown is how do you find uh, the 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 properties or the families or the individuals that you're going to help? How, how do how do you find those 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 individuals? Yeah, we definitely do casting calls. Like, we kind of put it out there and we're like, we're filming the show. We're looking for people, you know, who are wanting to do this for their families, you know what I mean, who are, are already embarking on this journey. Um, and then, you know, we, we visit. I mean, it's it's a very long process to do just one show. I mean, we'll spend somewhere between four to eight months producing one show just because we're going from wow. one, you know, from, from like, the way the property is where like nothing is done to like totally transforming it. So we're really on a long journey with each family. Um, and it just depends on the scale of the project. But yeah, you know, we put it out there, people reach out and then, you know, we're looking to see what is unique and interesting about this situation and, you know, what kind of value would it add to the show? Um, and, you know, how good are people on camera, how comfortable they are. And, uh, but yeah, people hit us up all the time. I want to be on the show. Pick me, pick me, you know, like, <laughs> you know, so we don't, we, yeah, we definitely have a lot to choose from, you know. So I'm intrigued by, by the addition of more animals. As you mentioned, you have had animals before chickens, uh, I recall. Um, why add more animals? I think it's a great thing to do. You mentioned cows, you mentioned goats, mm -hmm. love goats, wish we had a, a mm -hmm. property where we could have a goat. Why add animals and why is that important, as important yeah. or equally important as the plants? Yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, like, you know, we're finding families that are really interested in incorporating, you know, animals into their, um, you know, their specific uh, sites. And also, you know, with farm animals, like there just tends to be like from a sustainability standpoint, this ecosystem where animals are working in, you know, um, you know, synergistically with, you know, uh, the farm to kind of add value. So whether, you know, you're getting uh, milk or you're getting eggs or, um, you know, they're helping to sort of fertilize um, a pasture and keep an area green or, you know, just whatever that uh, purpose that family is looking for, you know, we're just... Um, helping them to figure out how to incorporate animals within their farms. And also, people love animals. Like, who doesn't love a goat, you know? <laughs> sheep I never a, met a anyone who did. <laughs> yeah, people people love animals. And I think that's generally sort of a lot of what people think about when they think of farms. You know, they think more animals than they think um, vegetables. So, you know, we were definitely responding to sort of the demands of the consumer. But then, you know, just keeping it interesting. So you, you've talked about the physical health benefits of the type of farming that you do and you inspire other mm -hmm. people to do. There's another aspect too, and that's the mental health 
aspect of farming and gardening. Talk about that. I think many people will relate to what you get mentally just being outside or being in a greenhouse and, and working the land. Talk about that. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of us are working in, in, in buildings, you know, we're sitting in front of our computer, we're, you know, we're not moving, we're not active, we're not getting fresh air. So being outside, keeping a garden, you know, small, medium, large, working the farm, it just, you know, that, like you said, the mental health benefits of just sort of breathing fresh air, moving, and just the process of seeing something either go from a really, really teeny seed or a small plant and 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 watching that grow, nurturing it, and now like you have all this all of this harvest and this abundant harvest, and you get to like feed your family and you get to see that happen over and over again with a bunch of different plants throughout the whole year. So it's just really, you know, it's exciting, it's magical, it's always new. I'm always excited and giddy at the beginning of the year because I'm just like, I don't, you know, I plant carrots, for instance, and I'm always like, are they going to make it? And then I pull a carrot and I'm like, you know, like I still get excited, you know, harvesting, uh, you know, the vegetables and things that I grow. And I think, you know, that's what people, you know, are connected to. Fresh air, just movement, just, you know, nurturing something. And, um, and you know, and it's just a beautiful, it's, just, it's a beautiful process and experience. Hey, Jamila, I, I know that you're also a founding member and current manager of the Southwest Atlanta Growers Cooperative, the SWAG co-op. Uh, yeah. what, does, what does SWAG do? Yeah, so Southwest Atlanta Growers Cooperative is a co-op of like black urban farmers here in the city of Atlanta. And so it actually started specifically in the neighborhood where I was because there was like a lot of different black farmers um, small spaces, upwards of like three acres. Um, and I was just like, guys, you know, we should just like get together, form a co-op so we can, you know, tell our story, represent black farmers just in general, you know, in, uh, you know, sort of in the media, in the public eye, you know, so people know that like we're here and we're doing this work. Um, and then essentially it's just kind of grown to the Metro Atlanta region, but really it's about us coming together collectively to, market our products to um inform people about who we are where we are how they can engage with us how they can buy from the co-op and then also finding resources to support the individual farmers so that they can be economically viable um and i just saw that need and was like oh yeah i started a farm and i'm going to start a co-op too you know because I, I, I have lots of time we, to do all the things i was going to say we got about 30 seconds left here how how do you do all of this between the tv show the farm the co-op we didn't even mention eat move be well uh you've got a mm -hmm. ton of stuff going on i don't know you know i eat a lot of kale and greens <laughs> 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 You know, I look back and you know, when you're young, you have so much energy. Like I look back at some of their pictures and my face was all like round and fat and I just had so much energy and I just, I'm a doer, you know? I Like if I see something, I'm jumping in it. I want to do it. I want to just get my hands dirty. And um, if I see a need, I feel a need. And you know, that's just, I think about energy later, I guess. Well, Jim. Um, 
Jamila, we are so grateful to you for sharing some of that energy with us today. She is Jamila Norman. She's on Homegrown on the Magnolia Network and Patchwork Farms. That's all the time we have this week, but if you want to know more about storing the public square, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter or visit PellCenter.org where you can always catch up on previous episodes. For G. Wayne Miller, I'm Jim Lutis, asking you to join us again next time for more Story in the Public Square. Thank you.